Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the bigger picture. It's said to be a year of transitions for investors to navigate. According to East Spring Investments, 2024 will bring about multiple transitions. For example, it believes that some of the global economy's earlier resilience will give way as the full effect of restrictive monetary policy kicks in. So let's check in with Ken Wong. He is the Client Portfolio Manager for East Spring Investments. Good morning, Ken. Thanks for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Good morning. Hey, let's talk about what's coming up for the coming few months. And we've got, of course, a few trends that are continuing to play out. One of them is how you've got companies starting to re-evaluate their priorities and also supply chains. And that's led to, I suppose, how we should reframe how we look at globalization. Give us an idea what's been playing out on the front. Yeah, the fact is, is that, you know, for the next, you know, six to 12 months, we believe that overall global growth is expected to slow. Uh, potentially a shallow U.S. recession seems likely somewhat in the middle of 2024. Um, and as a result, you know, we do expect to see a, uh, you know, I would say a slight modest slowdown in terms of, you know, global demand. And, you know, that could have an impact on overall global supply chain. But, you know, when we look at, you know, a place like China, we feel that China's growth is expected to stabilize, especially given more government policy, you know, support, as well as economic rebalancing, uh, which should continue well into 2024. Um, and as a result, you know, we're very much keeping a close eye on central banks to see, you know, if we are very much at the end of their rate hike cycles all around the world. But, you know, despite the fact that, you know, potentially we are at the end of the rate hike cycle, the fact is, is that rate cuts are still some months away. And so this is where, you know, we need to be a bit more mindful as to how we go about investing. You know, falling inflation does usher in the turning point for bonds in particular, but a slightly modest slowing economic growth does really does suggest that, you know, we do need to look for more quality biases, especially when it comes to investing in bonds. Yeah, definitely a lot of changes in the landscape to look out for. And if you look at what's been playing out as well, potentially more conflicts and geopolitics to look out for in the horizon. And we've got China a big point uh, because of the China Plus One strategies many companies have been implementing. So the global supply chains are changing. Who are going to be the winners and losers, Ken? Yeah, the fact is, is that, you know, we talk about supply chain diversification and we do see that in 2024, this supply chain diversification is going to benefit emerging markets as well as Asia in particular. And if we look at some of the ASEAN region countries as well as India, we do expect to see them benefit quite a bit from this supply chain diversification. So if you look at India, what stands out for you? The most notable, I suppose, sector will be manufacturing. How much is that taking away China's lunch? And to some extent it is, but we also have to understand that manufacturing in India today is somewhat different from what China is trying to achieve. China is going for a much more higher end, you know, moving up that innovative curve type of manufacturing, where India is still very much manufacturing more of the lower end goods. So we see them as a bit more of a complement to each other and not necessarily a competitor. But at the same time, when we look at India, you know, we do have, you know, elections coming up. We do still see a very strong economic growth trajectory for India. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're still seeing more and more companies listing in India. And so that gives a very good segment of leeway into the capital markets in which more overseas investors 
as well as domestic investors are, you know, investing more and more of their assets into a country like India. Yeah, Ken, talk about elections. You've got U.S. elections this year and you might see more rhetoric against China. How much of that is a headwind for trade and maybe even the global economic growth? We think that a lot of that has been priced in already. So this isn't something that happened overnight. The fact is, is that over the past few years, we've had a lot of geopolitical tension between the two superpowers. So that's nothing new whatsoever. But I think what's more important is, you know, focusing on, in particular, if we do start to see, let's say, the end of the rate cycle and potentially a slightly weaker dollar in 2024 as a, as a possibility, then, you know, emerging markets and Asia does offer a, a very big investment opportunity. Yeah, and we've seen historically that, you know, a slightly weakening dollar does tend to benefit, you know, emerging markets as well as Asian countries, especially if we are in a situation or a scenario in which you know, global growth doesn't slow down significantly and it just slows down modestly and potentially even with a pickup towards the latter half of 2024. Right. So a weaker U.S. dollar could be good news for Asian currencies. Which Asian currencies have you got your eye on? No, we look at a number of different currencies. So there isn't a specifically one. I mean, we look at it, you know, and historically overall emerging market Asian currencies, you know, do tend to stand out. Um, if we look at even the renminbi, the fact is that the renminbi over the past few months have started to appreciate slightly against the greenback as well. So as a result, I think that Asian currencies in general, uh, regardless of being ASEAN countries, regardless specifically mm. even North Asian countries, you know, there is definitely you know potential for appreciation, especially if we continue to see a more gradual weakening of the uh, the dollar index. And you're advocating for more exposure to local currency bonds in Asia. Not necessarily just local currencies. I mean, that, that's an opportunity, um, but mm. even, you know, U.S. dollar. But I think when it comes to bonds, we're more selective right now when it comes to quality, you know, credit selection. That's still going to be key. Mm-hmm. But the fact, overall fact is, is that, you know, with a, you know, policy in which central banks potentially are starting to cut interest rates, that does bode well for a number of different style of bonds, actually. Okay, and another place you're looking at is AI. We've seen a huge boom in the past year of the Magnificent 7. So how else should investors be playing the AI boom this year? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that Asia, we think, will help facilitate you know, and, and specifically be more involved in the whole Gen AI transformation. The fact is, is that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, last year was very much about the Magnificent 7. But then there's also a very big transformation around the supply chain around AI. And there's a lot of other companies, uh, not necessarily, you know, directly involved in AI, but the supply chain around AI related companies mm-hmm. in which those could also offer opportunities as well. I think that a lot of investors last year have been focused, focusing a lot of their attention on AI companies, especially those in the US. But then there are companies, you know, even listed here in Asia, there's quite a number of AI related companies listed in China. I think there's definitely going to be opportunities in that particular space for investors if, if they look a little bit more deeper into kind of how Gen AI can actually help transform economy and in return also generate a good amount of revenues for these companies. And you're looking at places like Taiwan and Korea for some of these uh, opportunities. Yes, definitely. I mean, tech continues to be a, a very strong push. We saw that last year in both Taiwan as well as Korea, in which tech-related companies definitely had a very uh, strong growth when it comes to their overall earnings as well as specifically their share prices. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we still see 2024 as a bit more of a continuance of, you know, what we saw in 2023, especially if the AI transformation continues to happen more and more here in Asia. 
Now, can you talk about earnings? Japan's been trying to raise earnings for its companies, and this, of course, will help raise wages and help it get out of its deflationary era. So what are the chances of that happening this year? Yeah, we see that happening already as we speak. The fact is, is that, you know, even if the DOJ does signal that it, it will start to raise interest rates, we think that's actually a good thing because what then that actually implies is that, you know, structurally, inflation is actually here to stay, you know, albeit, you know, a modest inflationary signal. But the fact is, is that that actually would signal a more modest wage growth, which should help overall Japanese corporates when it comes to specifically, uh, you know, their overall sentiment when it comes to increasing capex because the economy is doing better. It's going to be good for the overall employees having higher wages, which should also help consumption as well. So it should help a variety of different sectors in terms of seeing stronger earnings growth. And in particular, you know, as I mentioned earlier, seeing more Japanese corporates increasing their overall capital expenditures uh, in 2024 is also going to be a strong signal. And of course, you know, with when it comes to Japanese stocks, it's still going to be very important to see how these companies will continue to increase their share buybacks and increase their dividend payouts and continue to increase their overall corporate governance, increasing their return on equity, which should all fold well for investors investing in Japan in 2024. All right, we've been in conversation with Ken Wong, client portfolio manager for eSpring Investments, helping us to relook how investors can reframe their idea around globalization and also some of the opportunities and risks in the year ahead. Ken, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Say Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.